to another episode of Podcast oh, no. Iron. Hey, everybody. Hey. We're going to be doing some great things this episode. We're going to break up the history of Griswold with a little bit of info about some of the smaller, lesser-known brands like Wapak. So today, we're going to talk about Wapak. Interesting. We know the story of Griswold you were telling me before is like it's a just long so one. long, yes. So it might be a good idea to just kind of... Break it up a little bit. Break it up and, into books. Um, Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke, and John of Griswold. Yes. Do you know what I mean? The Old Testament. And we'll come back to yeah. them. So like, the Old every- Testament was eerie, and the King James Version is... The, the, <laughs> ah! <laughs> slant logo. There you go, and you can understand it. And we need to come up with a prayer of St. Griswold or something. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if you're not a good Christian, you'll be thrown into the fire, so please buy yourself some Griswold gas trial. Wow, that sounded like the Grinch. I was working in the lab. Wait, what, wait. <laughs> wait Number four, yeah. Wabbits. Um, so that, that one, like, six branches deep. Well, that's what we do here. We go off the rails, but we're good at harkening back in. Welcome to my newly reorganized uh, yeah. area. So we've been, we've been oh, all these episodes we've been recording in Kyle's garage, and every time I come in here, it looks different. Yeah. Because Kyle's still finding his center, if you will. There's there's lots of different, he's, he's constantly moving product in and out of here, so he's making, right. he's, he's a, uh, we got some new shelves, we're seeing what works for him, we got lights up in here now, we got, I walked yeah. in here, it felt like I was walking into a flea market. I got I got four shelves high right behind me here yes. with all kinds of old glassware. With all kinds of old glassware, copper bronze, bottom, re- yeah. revere ware. This is all like the non-cast iron stuff. This is all like the vintage kitchen nostalgic stuff. And all lit up like crazy yeah. too. So yep. so it's uh it you can tell that this is becoming your workshop of of, of yeah. horrors yep the cast iron <laughs> shop is in a different spot but this place here where we're at right now is kind of the overflow of all the other cool unique stuff it kind of looks like your shelf of nostalgia almost i mean it I does got, like vintage nba stuff like some vintage goosebump stuff just some fun little interesting things that people things can come that over you and talk like. about yeah things that you like and you're putting them out on display right since, since people are going to be coming through here as we do podcasts as you're recording your different you uh, shots with shelf. pj and i i love like you. I would I'm, fit you're, on the show. You're a fan. I'm a fan of yours. You're a fan of mine. Shut up. I'm a fan. Um, of, I'm your fan of mine's. <laughs> so also today, to, to ratchet it back in, uh-huh. um, today we're also going to cover, uh, today. you could consider today the stock episode, how to make a good stock, some of the stocks that I've been working on, and why stocks make you a good home chef, and how you can use stock to amp up your standard run-of-the-mill uh, Pinterest and, and cookbook recipes. We're going to call it playing the stock market. The stock market. Wapak in the stock market. That's it. Wapak in the stock market. Ladies and gentlemen, Wapak in the stock market. And the band equipment has just exploded. We're Wapak in the stock market, baby. Baby. So what's going on okay. with you, Tyler? Anything? Um, no. It's cold. It's winter. I've hibernated officially. The cold okay. season for me is the video game season. So right. and I grabbed uh, Xbox for the first time ever. And I've just been isolating, hibernating downstairs, playing all kinds of racing games in the basement. Very cool. And uh, yeah, it's good. But what I realized is, is now I guess um, between where, where, where I work, which is in IT, so I'm staring at screens all day. And then I come home and I play video games. I'm staring at screens all day. Not conducive. My eyes are killing me. Yeah. They're, 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 it, it, it's harder to focus on things now. Okay. And I, I'm noticing that. I need to close my eyes, and all of a sudden, I came down. Court came downstairs when I was playing video games, and she's like, "Why are you squinting?" And I was like, "What? Oh, oh, I don't know." <laughs> I mean, straight up, like like a, crinkling the nose and everything, trying to see what I'm looking yeah. at the TV screen, yep, like. Yep. I, I gotta tell you, I mean, 30 hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, I bet. <laughs> but see, that that's actually really funny that you say that. Uh, not funny comedically, but funny ironically, because a couple of my buddies that are chef friends of mine that we talk about content creation and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they all work in computer fields. They're looking at screens all day. So when they come home, they kind of like disconnect from it. Whereas what I do is very manual, hand-oriented, no digital nature at all. Right. So when I come home, that's when my creativity for my screen kind of blossoms. And that's what I think I kind of have as a feather my cap when it comes to content creation. I have all these ideas, all this that's fun so, stuff. That that's so that's so true because when I come home, I I the only reason I'm doing what I do in my job right now is because I loved it and I taught myself how to do it. I play with And you're phones. good at it. You're very but, look but at when this I podcast. come home, but when I come home now, I don't want to do any of this shit. I, know, I come home I and mom asks me questions, she calls me about questions about her computer and her email and I just I want to tear my hair out. But luckily for you, you don't have that kind of fatigue. So no. so when you come home, I can start. You're you're fresh yeah. with new ideas for yep. the screen so now 
you have all these new content. You're scheduling content now, right? To, to, Absolutely. To, to crank out on I, a regular basis, I think. I did want to take just a second to thank anybody who's ever shared any of my reels. I can see that there's numbers of reels being shared, but it doesn't tell me who's sharing them. So if you're listening to this and you shared a reel, just, just from the bottom of my heart, that's what means the most to me. If yeah, you like it and comment, you. that's cool. Yeah. But if you share it with all of your people, I that makes me yeah. very, very happy because that's pretty much you saying hey friends look at what i like well it check it's, this out i think this is great i want you to see it it's the it's the 2023 version of uh, putting a dime in someone's cap like hey For he, sure. i see he's he's working at this this is his brand he's growing it he's he's working on on a side hustle i'm going to help him out by Absolutely. Uh, by by sharing it to my people so yeah. so so that's a that's a big thank you. I think, uh, yeah. I think it, yeah. it it means yeah. a lot to me. It, it is literally like yeah. a street busker getting a quarter in their hat. That's a great analogy, right. by the way. That's yeah. thank that, you very much. And put it into a very clear perspective for somebody who knows nothing about these kinds um, of things. And if yeah. you are new to the page, you will notice that there is a variety of content. Most of it is cast iron and cooking based. However, there is the funny comedic stuff just to get everybody, uh, you know, to kind of unwind, which is what I'm doing this for in the first place to just have more free time to be able to unwind and enjoy myself. So I just want you to find my page as kind of a respite from the day-to-day stress of life. There's a lot of really, uh, you know, of course it's all cast iron content related, but every once in a while you'll throw out the reels that are just, just plain old relatable to yeah, anybody. Yeah, so people can see my life. And it's and it's funny. Like I think you you uh, you posted one about your cat not getting enough boops or something like that. You want to <laughs> yeah, you're, or you're gonna post it's, it or something. It's like scheduled that. for later tonight. <laughs> but the one I posted the other day was the Kelly Clarkson one. It's or uh, yeah, she's like here I am once again. And I was like, where's the cat? Where's the cat? And then I popped out of this big like welder oh, box. Oh yeah, the human sized box. And I was licking my paw. Like yeah, I did see that one. That my, was funny. <laughs> my friend at work walked by. It was on our lunch break, and, and, and he was he like, sees you uh, popping out of the box, bro. Are you okay? You need a day off here? I was like, no, no, I'm just making content. I showed him the video. He goes, that's actually pretty good. The I box it. was literally the size of something you would have bought a 90s big screen yeah, TV yeah. in. Half of my car could fit in it. You could fit like a couple refrigerators in it. Like it was massive. So it was perfect size for was, scale. Yeah, For I Kyle to pretend to be a cat in a box. <laughs> yeah, is what that was. So that was great. That was exactly. So again, you have these kind of reels out there that are, that are, con- that are cast iron related as well, but but also just plain old relatable. So yeah, and that's comedy, what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, the comedy my, breaks up the monotony. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what's that's what it's intended for. Nice. Intended so, for. In, intended. Intended for. That's what I went camping for, to do it intended. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing, um, last weekend, uh, I went over to our, our sister's house. Um, our sister's house. Our sister house. Yeah, our, our sister's like house. like a cult or something. And... Um, she said, did you want to do like a nacho taco night? Because I had posted the picture of nachos I made at, at Paul's house, at PJ's house. White people house. taco night. Let I love that. Taco night. So it's Nikki's great like, though, really. Nikki's like, do you want to do a taco nacho night? I was like, yeah, sure. I got all this stay classy meat. I said, I'd really like for you guys to try it. So I went over there. It was last Friday. Yeah. And we, you know, browned up some of the stay classy meats, uh, ground beef. And we made nachos and Mike came home early and I was kind of excited. I was like, yes. Like he could have some of this. Like I wanted him to try it so bad because it's when you when you enjoy something good, you want to share it with your family. He just opens the door and it's like, what the hell's going on in here? Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. We've had like, I'm a big proponent of using shallot instead of onion and garlic. Like oh, I just sure. like all these little unique things. We just had such a nice taco night and Stay Classy Meats was the ones that were responsible mm. for that. So thanks to Stay Classy Meats. If you're listening to this, check out Stay Classy Meats. Yes. That's all. Just Very wanted to good, say man. I've really enjoyed what they've said. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So I know you shared some of the ground meat with me as well. And the jerky is delicious. Isn't it the best oh, jerky ever? You so know what I like fresh, about it? Nice and chewy. I mean, not chewy. Like a, It's wet and soft. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, it's not chewy. It doesn't take a million chews to get beautiful. it down. It's very, very good. It's perfect. I love it. Great way to throw in some protein when you got a busy day. So, oh yeah, without a doubt, it's my it's my favorite way to do it when I'm real busy. Besides getting a spoonful of peanut butter, which is not very effective. I've it's a lot of sugar. I but imagine hey, not. Hey, podcast iron guys, we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Wapak. Yeah, what we're gonna we get doing? into Wapak. I love it. Don't the go shortest anywhere. time period of cast iron ever made. I love it.
This episode of Podcast Iron is brought to you by StayClassyMeats.com. You can beat inflation and pre-order your eighth of a cow right now and save a whole ton of cash. And if you want, you can save even more by using promo code SEASONORDIE. That's from me, Cast Iron Kyle, and that will save you 10% off your entire order. Stay Classy Meats is your number one place for beef, pork, bison, chicken, elk, fish, jerky. They even have pet treats, and it goes straight from the pasture to your refrigerator. StayClassyMeats.com, promo code SEASONORDIE. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. Scabbity boo bop bop Welcome back to Podcast Iron. I'm your host, Cast Iron Kyle, to talk to you today about Wapak Cast Iron. All right, so listen here. I like Wapak a lot. (laughs) I think Wapak is a very underrated skillet brand. Like when you're talking about the different brands that people should be looking for and valuing as far as vintage cast iron, this is a brand that that people sometimes glaze over but should not be. Do not sleep on anything Wapak. Yeah, don't sleep on it. That's a good Um, way to put it. So Wapak, the cool thing, the thing I like about Wapak before we even get into the history they were only around for 23 years in that 23 years they made the best cast iron the world has ever seen 23 years what was the what was the time period um 1903 i I memorized this 1903 to 1926 that was their window really yep and the last like almost 10 years they didn't even use the name wapak they used onita so wapak was founded in 1903 in wapakanita ohio it was found by the bennett family milton benton Milton Bennett being the president and his brother Harry Bennett being the treasurer, along with Marion Stevenson being the secretary. Three people, a yeah. little building. Um, I'm going to post a picture of the building on my Instagram at castiron underscore Kyle. It was this little tiny hole in the wall factory. Yeah. Wapak Hollowware in Wapakanita, Ohio. Okay. Just, so, a, just, a fa- just a big building with the word Wapak on the side. It's not very special. But then again, we're correct. talking about 1906, you said? So and please. They raised $20,000. Wow. And that Which was a lot of money back then, right? And they only used $18,380 of that 20000 to buy all the machines and hire all the people they need to start their company. They put the rest in cash reserves in case something broke down or maintenance yeah. and, and or if there was payroll gaps or anything like that. Um, and there's not very much known about Wapak. You actually have to look really hard if you want to find this stuff because there's a lot of gaps in the there was there was fires and it was the 1800s. Shit got wet. I didn't realize that like with Wapak, even if you just find anything with the word Wapak on it, easily over a hundred years old. Uh, actually, you know what? Because it's 1926. In three years, everything that's Wapak ever will well, be said, at least. You said the last couple of years there was a different brand, didn't you? Well, they just labeled it a different brand. Well, that's what I mean. If you they see just use a different Wapak, name, it was still made by Wapak, but it just said Onita on it before but Wapak. If it, but if you Onita. see anything Wapak, for sure, then a hundred years right? old. Of course, that's crazy. Yeah, hundred and ten at the minimum. Because we'll go yeah. through the years and I'll show you when Wapak oh, Onita came okay. around. Um, it was actually a, a, a group of business entrepreneurs that wanted to hop on the big craze of building cast iron. They saw what was going on with Erie. They yeah. saw what was going on with National Wagner, which we covered back in episode two And they said, we can do that. And they said, well, let's, let's invest in some of these products and let's yeah. start our own line for Ohio to have its own. Because Wagner was in Ohio. See, and that's how limited things were. You were going on horseback Two and stuff companies. back then, right? So in order for in order for you to meet demand, it wasn't about one company shipping their product everywhere. It was like, well, we need a factory at every region. Right. No, it wasn't a mass-produced thing like an Amazon warehouse in every town. Ohio doesn't have cast iron skillets, so we're going to start WAPAC. So <laughs> it's basically what well, it comes Ohio, out. That's how small the world was back then. Ohio was just breaking into the cast iron market with, with Wagner because of Sydney. Remember we talked about Sydney Hollowware? That was Sydney yes. County, Ohio. Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of like well, a... Well, I, I didn't mean specifically Ohio. No, I was no. just saying the word. Man. But, it, but back in the day, business competition wasn't really a thing because, it, I mean, it was feast or famine mindset. Yeah. But it was also like, okay, cool. We have, we have somebody competing against us now. Let the public decide. Sure. It was less shareholders. It was less like... Instagram. Well, nothing <laughs> yeah, nothing moved that quickly back then anyway. So and, and it was such a small world, so But for a company that made such wonderfully detailed stuff. Sure. Like this Dutch oven we're looking at, that was made in nineteen ten. Like yeah, look how looks beautiful. brand new. It, it looks, looks bra- absolutely brand new. It's a Wapak eight Dutch oven with a slotted drip drop top. I was gonna say, is that what that's for to that's get the drips? So, so when you I'll post a picture of this on the Instagram as it's well. Got like these weird ribs inside the lid. That's of this for pot. the that's for the condensation to drip evenly and moisturize what you're cooking. How smart oh, is that? Oh, it'll disperse it and make the drops. Absolutely. That's yeah, what it's I designed mean, for. This thing is like it's Yeah, you can barely even see that it says it looks like it was scratched on there with a chicken foot. 
It's so small. Chicken foot? Did That's you just so say weird. that? It's like scratched Tyler. Like chicken claws. What? The rarest Wapak skillet is a chicken foot Wapak. <laughs> That's so weird, really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. No, I was Why saying because the way the logo, the logo looks like it was scratched in there with a little Fucking chicken foot. weirdo. That's the pinnacle of a Wapak collector is to is get a, a chicken, chicken foot. foot. Yes. Oh, it spins. Not, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not going to spin it. Um, so, wait, what's the chicken foot? Is that the handle thing like we were talking about no. before? How it was like a duck foot or we're something? We're going to get to chicken foot. Hold that thought. Quack foot. So the they uh, Wagner Wapak Hollowware Company they made cast iron until 1926. They fired bank filed bankruptcy because, pop uh, contrary to popular belief, the stock market crash of 1929 happened in 1929. But leading up to that, there was a deterioration of business in general, which led to the crash. Sure. So I feel like that was just a victim. It of wasn't. It, it, it was, wasn't as abrupt as we were led correct. to believe in eighth grade. So uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The economy was was on a downward spiral for a number of years. Up until that point. But when WAPAC was at the height of their production, they saw, okay, we either have to expand or we have to subcontract some of our casting to some of these bigger companies, i.e. Erie. So WAPAC and Erie were around the same time period. So there are WAPAC skillets that have Erie ghost marks on them where they just buttered over Erie. Wow. And you can see, I have one, where, where you can, can just, see. just faintly see, like, Erie was there, and they just glazed over it. See, cause that, that, I guess that, is that because, like, over time, the, ba- the base of the pan being worn down, you start seeing all these cover-ups that they had on the back of well, it? Well, they had heat rings, so the bottom of the pan was essentially uh, protected, unless it got a bow to it, which we talked about from overheating. But the thing they, they the mistake they made was they glazed over Erie, but they didn't glaze over the Erie casting marks. So every once in a while, you'll get a Wapak. Here's an example. You have a Wapak here with a 737 Erie casting mark. So that's an Erie. Um, oh, that's, that's an Erie that's griddle. Eer, that's an Erie uh, griddle. That's, that's an Erie numbering uh, number scheme there. So I think what Erie. So it's my. This is this is speculation. This is not factual. But my opinion, what I think, Erie said, cool. You could use our casts. You don't have to put Erie on it, but you better keep that 737 so people that really understand this shit know where the good iron came from. I think it was a heat number, like where we weld at work. Every piece of metal that comes in has a heat number, so you can trace its origins in case there's a defect, defective yeah, model. Yeah, in, in, the, in the makeup of it or Correct. something. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that casting number was to be like, well, was this made in Wapakoneta or was this made in Erie so we can trace it was the to, problem? It was to help trace the source. Exactly. Yeah, sure. In case of an issue. <clears throat> Which is sure. fine, which is cool. But now for the collector a hundred years later, it's like <laughs> And plus I have an back eerie... then it's like they're not they don't consumers in the twenties, they didn't know that. Consumerism back then was was a, something no. we'll never understand. No, you were buying things off of a big book like like made <laughs> Sears of and Robux. I bid it on one of those old series uh, Sears uh Sears and Robux um catalogs from the nineteen tens yeah. with all the original Griswold and Erie ads on it. That's it cool. It started at four dollars, it went to like three hundred and fifty bucks. My max bid was like a hundred something dollars. What the hell? When I got out bid, I'm like Holy fuck! There's more people that are intrigued about this. Please call me. Like yeah, I want to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that's the that's the best you could get is just what the advertising was telling you. Yeah, there. There's it is. a good you example just, of a ghost you, mark. So you're showing me a picture. It says Wapak, obviously, but then like you could barely see little scratches on the top there that spell out the very eerie. Faint eerie. Yeah. So, so that's so that's what they did. They buttered over the eerie logo so that they could there's keep actually, their company afloat. There's actually their name afloat. Two. Well, yeah. There's two trains of thought. One of which is absolutely true. They, they did subcontract the casting out to Erie. But there are some hardcore WAPAC enthusiasts. I actually met one in Tennessee that were part of the Ozark Mountain Griswold Association. Yeah. There was a guy that was talking and said, oh, I'm sorry. This was in Weirs Valley, Tennessee. He said that WAPAC bought all of the Erie molds at the end of Erie's production when Erie switched to Griswold's Erie and then to the slant logo, which we talked about last episode or a couple episodes ago. So there's either one of two things. You either have a a WAP pack that was gypsy casted, meaning they subcontracted out to Erie, or they have one that they bought the Erie molds and went that way. So it's cool either way. They work together. They helped each other either way. Is it? Would Ford ever sell a, a rim mold to Chevy and say, here, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> there are tiny. There are times when you'll find tiny little parts that that were originally made for other cars. Like I forget what I saw on Instagram. It was like some sports car. Something had a blinker that had like the lens of the blinker cracked or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you when you took it out, you could see 
underneath the uh, lamination of the color or whatever, you could see the Ford logo. See? That kind the, of thing. On the, on the lens. And they're like, well, if you go to the Lamborghini or whatever website and buy it, it's like $96 for this lens. Or I could just go on Amazon and get the same exact part for a Ford, you know, Fiat right. or whatever. Uh, GT, yeah, for blah, GT, blah, blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it just has the name on it. We just don't <laughs> yeah. pretend we see it. That's yeah, all. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's so weird. There is a third conspiracy theory associated with the casting of Wapak that I would be, uh, I would be a criminal if I didn't bring it up. There also is some theory that the Wapak Corporation went to Erie and said, "Hey, <laughs> can we wholesale like?" 5,000 of your skillets. Can you give us a really good price? And Erie would be anybody, anybody in business knows the art of wholesaling. You make money in volume, correct? Yeah. So Erie was probably like, all right, Costco, we could do it for, say, $5 a skillet. So Wapak okay. was like, all right, $5 a skillet. How many do we have to buy? 10,000. All right, here's the money. They buy them at $5. They cancel out the Erie logo, put Wapak on it, and then sell them for $10 a yep. skillet. Yeah. That's another theory that there are some historians that stand their ground that that's the thing. Wapak, there's so much involved in these little short ears. Yeah, there really a is. A lot. And, and so it's all an effort to keep their company afloat, I suppose. So, so that's what they think they did was instead of when they started getting in the red there, they decided to stop making their own pans and go to other places and buy Absolutely. them wholesale. So Interesting. The thing that people like about Wapak is that there, there's never two that are the same. That's the thing about Wapak. There's so many casting flaws as far as like how the bottoms look. Really? Yeah, so if you look so at the bottom do... of this Wapak, look at all the casting flaws around the rim. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. But yeah. you want to see the good part? Look at the front. It's perfect. It's flawless. They didn't worry about the underlying shit. They cared about the cooking surface, which is yeah, what which I is, care which about. Which is, of course, the money shot. That's the, the one money that matters. Shot. But but I, I, what this shows me as as somebody who's talking about or overanalyzing this is a, a, a corner that's been cut. Mm, more so, less... Or is it focused that they just didn't on something have... that didn't matter? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. like where is, it's a corner that was cut because it wasn't because it was something that was cosmetic and they didn't care about cuz right. they cared about about uh about uh the use of the thing they didn't care the about what it looked like the practicality was that yeah. took precedent yeah yeah i knew Wapak was going to be such a fun conversation i'm so happy we're doing this i'm um, glad you're happy so like when when you go to ford if you go to the ford plant they have people that are on the fiesta line or they have people that are on the tourist line or yeah. whatever and then people on the f150 f350 the dump trucks so throughout the whole time WAPAC was in business from 1903 to 1926 their top of the line skillet was called the WAPAC Indian head cast iron and that was a recessed heat ring an inverted heat ring meaning the sides of the pan rolled under flat and then the heat the the bottom of the pan was actually lifted oh, so just, up a little yeah, bit yeah they popped the bottom up instead of and the pans a had a little circle in the bottom about three inches across with an Indian chief's head side profile, and it said Wapak High Grade Hollowware. Yeah. And that is considered the pinnacle of collecting for any cast iron enthusiast to get themselves a Wapak Indian head. Really? They're very hard to find. They're so how very long did expensive. They, make them? they made those the whole time. No, the, with the Indian head and everything? Yeah, for, that was. For what, what time period? Well, 03 how long? to 1926. Oh, they did. Okay. Right. But their consumer level, like their that was their high grade. Yeah, they literally yeah, yeah. wrote high grade on it, so you knew. Yeah, um, it's expensive. But their general user, like if you walked into a department store, they they had various different designs throughout the years. They kind of messed with the molds and all that, just like we talked about with Griswold and Erie. But from 1903 to 1910 is the Chicken Foot logo. Oh, that's so weird. I said Chicken Foot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I get it. It's a very scarce logo because not all of the the skillets from that time period have it. I think it was a person that was working for them that was just like fucking around and they just let it happen. So you'll see in a Wapak chicken foot from 1903 to 1910, the pea is oh, a little bigger. The pea has, a little, has two little legs. A little split end. It's got two little legs like a chicken foot. Very rare skillet to find. See, this is like coins. When you get ones that have Very a weird, rare. have a weird uh, 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 defect, they're the ones that are the rare ones that everybody's clamoring for. And there's a new one they discover every couple years. So the new thing with coins, 1992 and 1993, if the A is touching the M in America on the back of the penny, it's considered an error, and it's like worth thousands of dollars. What? Yes. 
The A and the M are touching each other. Yeah, on America. Inappropriately. Yes. <laughs> the M touched me. Literally. A, what's the problem? M touched me. M touched <laughs> me in the A. So from 1910 or 1903 to 1910, you'll have so a WAPAC logo. With the P. They're not all chicken foots, but oh. they're all the big P in the middle of WAPAC. It says oh. small W, small A, big P, small A, small K. Yeah. But the split. Big P. Big P. <laughs> um. And then what they did from that era, they made the P the same size as the rest of the letters. That's called the WAPAC ARC or Curved ARC logo, which is also from 1903 to 1910. So they were doing different things yeah, at the same time the period. Same time. So what was the deal with the chicken foot? You said that was just somebody that messed up. and, and I think it was somebody that was in- experienced with this. I think it was somebody that worked for Sydney. So before when Sydney, before it came uh, Wagner, the Sydney logo was hand-scripted. Yeah, yeah. And I think somebody that was like trying to be that or did that went to Wapak and said, I can make mine a little bit different. And that's what they did. Um, Stupid. So, yeah, the straight logo is 1903 to 1910. You'll get the casting number or the size number on the bottom of the pan as you would any skillet of that era, like we've already talked about. Yep, yep. Um, And also during that time period, in the center of the skillet, in the middle of the center of the skillet, you'll also get a block logo. So you'll either have a block logo at top or a block logo in the middle or an arc logo with a big P and a chicken foot, all from 1903 to 1910. I think they were just saying, let's just do it. Yeah. So also their mid-range quality skillets were what was called... Uh, some people call them Harry Potter skillets. Some people call them lightning logos. Some people call them Z logos. But it was WAPAC in almost like a graduated thing, like WAPAC. Big W all the way down to a little K. Oh, With a little gotcha. zigzag under like it. A, like the Back to the Future logo, kind of. How it's like goes off to the distance. And that's the part of yeah. WAPAC history that people can't pinpoint because they say there's nobody that can agree on a time period. They say, you know what? We're just going to go 1903 to uh, 1926 on that one. <laughs> Anytime between the existence of WAPAC, this WAPAC was made. Right. Wow. So after the Z logo, <laughs> they they have paperwork and there is documentational proof that they took away the Z, but they still left that that like triangle logo, big W down to a little K, and they pinpoint that era from nineteen twelve to nineteen twenty six. Okay, so that's a little bit finer that's of a scope. Fourteen years though. Think about fourteen that's still years. Fourteen years is a big, big difference. You're talking about something from now to what, two thousand and four? Right. So <laughs> they still made all these different lines of quality of cast iron. So if you look is at that the math right. What? Two thousand four. That what? sounds wrong. What was 14 years ago? 14 years ago would have been 2009. Um, wow. 14 years ago is 2009? I think so. That sounds... 19 plus 4 is 23, yeah. No, yep. you're right. Holy shit. That doesn't wow. sound like 14 years that ago. That doesn't sound like 14 years sounds ago. Like yesterday. <laughs> sounds like six years ago. Yeah, it does when you say like Poppy was still alive. 2009. Poppy was, was still 14 alive. 14 years ago. Yes, but... That makes it a long time ago. Wow. If, Numbers, in man. case you're wondering, our grandfather was still alive. Now, time. do you get it, listeners? Okay. Um, time keeps on slipping. So, Wapakoneta is spelled W-A-P-A-K-O-N-E-T-A. O-N-E-T-A. That's the town. Wapakoneta. Wapakoneta. So, Wapak said, let's start our own line. Maybe we can stir up some sales for people that didn't want to buy Wapak, but maybe they would buy Onita. Come on. O-N-E-T-A. No, still same quality. Same casting as the block logo and the Z logo, all that stuff. <laughs> this just shows you the kind of thing you could get away with. We're not we're we're not Apple. We're plug. plug. <laughs> we're look. Oh. We're ugh. We're an app phone. We're not oh. we're not iPods. We're odd. We're or ips, <laughs> but I but Onita didn't la- didn't sell very well because it was an unknown brand, but it was still Wapak. It was like Chevy being Cadillac and Pontiac it's and all so that. It's stupid. Just, it's just they're they're dude. They were trying to branch out. They were testing the waters of marketing. What are I you supposed guess. to do in the 1910s? Yeah, what did people do for fun back then? Well, what what does businesses do when they want to expand and don't know how? They have to try shit out. They have to install telegraphs all over the place. Onita, stop, stop. Um, so yeah, that that started in 1912, and when it ended, they think it's 1926, but once again, they're not sure. Hmm, wild, huh? It's amazing how much is unsure about Wapak. I didn't realize there was such a mystery conversation like like of course there's a lot of things you can pinpoint but there's a lot of things also about like as far as the timeline of events that led up to the different logo variations right no real 
no real, no real structure. They just all. said, you do this one, you do this one, you do this one. We'll see. I think what they were doing is trying to see which logo sold the most and then stuck with it. That's what a, they wound that, up I mean, doing. how else could they do it? Hold focus groups? Yeah, but there <laughs> wasn't know, an there Instagram was post for them to say, hey, we're going with this one now. So no. they just fucking sold everything. Oh, and there was no resources to make focus groups and shit like that back then. Everybody was too busy, like, with their farms and stuff. Thank you, sir. And your host back, when you're done, can you please provide a, a brief survey for us to send back to Wapak? <laughs> I have to skin a bear tonight. I don't have time for this. Yeah. My, it's winter. My family's dying. Um... <laughs> So here's some uh, to wrap. Survey. Can you imagine, yeah. like, like in the 1800s, like a survey, like <laughs> it would just shot him. <laughs> well, I hope you you approve of my performance today of cleaning your pigsty. <laughs> ah, <laughs> one star. So, um, to wrap it all up, Wapak I think is one of the greatest brands of cast iron. I enjoy Wapak. Don't I think pass that up pretty on Wapak if you come up. across one. Is is what I'm learning here. Um, a lot of times I have noticed, though, when I post Wapak, people don't understand the price point. And then yeah. somebody that does scoops it up and be like, dude, that's a great price for that. So I kind of know what I'm doing. So when, when they I'm look at something, them. it's got like a couple hundred bucks or whatever on the tag. Or just just, just, just blanket, I'm just saying. They're going, yeah. oh, that's too expensive for that. Yeah, but meanwhile, meanwhile, for all you know, that could be like a super rare Wapak. Super rare. The, the, the amount of super rare Wapaks out there seem to be greater than that of some other brands. Absolutely. Because there's so many different variations, changes, mess-ups. Flaws. This is one of the tips that I have written down here. Considerations when collecting Wapak, okay? Yeah. Wapak has more casting and and molding flaws, which adds to the character. Yes. Um, yeah, and however, the appeal, the overall appeal of like, oh, well, I have a unique piece. Who knows? Oh, to plug one of the sources I'm getting a lot of this uh, information from is uh, booniehicks.com. You can definitely head over there and get a lot more detailed information on all of these brands, but I kind of pinpoint some high points from them, so I really appreciate what they're doing just to uh, give them some credit. It says Wapak has more casting flaws, which I think there's no two Wapaks that are the same. I, I firmly stand on that ground. Uh, but that detracts from its desirability, meaning regardless of the flaws, it is still a good piece to hold on to. Yeah. Um, Wapak has the most smooth cooking surfaces of all vintage cast iron, in my appearance, or in my, my opinion. Um, ghost marks of various brands are very common with Wapak. Don't yeah. let that detract from its desirability as well. Um, but with the one thing with Wapak, when you're testing it, make sure that it sits flat and doesn't rock or spin, because Wapak being as thin as it was, it did lend itself to being bowed. Yeah, okay. But it's my opinion. So that's how that happens. If my yeah. pan has a little bow to it, who gives a shit? It's still gonna make a badass steak. It's still gonna cook. Like it's still gonna disperse heat evenly. No, a hundred percent. So so cool. Go for it. That is what you're saying. Doesn't matter. See, so that's what makes Wapak a lot of fun is the the chances of you finding something unique and highly desirable are are, are a little bit higher than that of some of the other brands is, is what I'm picking right. up from that. Which is which is which is fun. You can look at something and you might wind up with a chicken foot. Right. You might wind up with the big P or the, the big W or the little K. There's so the many different variations. Logo. Yeah, just so, hang on to it and cook with very, it. Very, very interesting. Uh, very interesting little uh, Pandora's box that company wound there up. You go. So I love it. So that's right. That's been history, man. Wapak. Wapak's history, one episode. Wapak. <laughs> There's. It was a small timeline, small blip on the timeline, small blip on the podcast. What can I say? I kind of look at it like uh, how Camaros were. The best Camaros, 1967, 68, 69. Boom. And that's then it was it. over. That's it. <laughs> and then it all like, went Wapak. downhill from there. Camaro, 67. Through 69, the Wapak of Chevy. The Wapak of Chevy, that's it. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, do a little save break. We're going to get back and we're going to talk about how to make a perfect stock. The Wapak stock. This episode of Podcast Iron is brought to you by Fatworks.com, the world's finest organic and pasture-raised and grass-fed lards, tallows, poultry fats, and ghee. Time to get real fat. Use promo code SEASONORDIE for 10% off of your entire order, and if you spend $75, it's coming to you for free. They have all kinds of sizes, and the one I like the most is the Wagyu beef tallow, available now in the gallon size. Fatworks.com, promo code SEASONORDIE. So, isn't this great? And it is great. All right. So you guys learned a little bit about Wapak there, huh? Hey, I just realized I never hit save. That's okay. We'll just roll with it. See what happens. Oh, shit. Uh, cool. Let's just get right into it then. We're um, being risky here on uh, the last break segment here of Podcast Iron. Yes, I'm your host, Cast Iron Kyle on Instagram, Cast Iron underscore Kyle. Wapak was quite... 
Interesting. a uh, box to unpack. Yes. Very much so. Rhyme. I'm yeah, that's okay. Is, I need to stay in my lane. Wapak heart attack. I don't know. There you go. Baby got I back. I like it. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things that I've learned from a lot of the great chefs uh, that I've been watching and also had the pleasure of, of speaking with, one of the things that you can do to become a better chef at home and, you know, with your family is to learn the importance and the position of a well-made stock in your kitchen. So when a recipe calls for water or, or chicken broth or beef broth or whatever, okay. if you substitute that same amount for a very well-made, rich, long-roasted stock, you're going to get a recipe that tastes more like something that you'd be getting in a restaurant. That makes sense. And I have been watching a lot of videos, specifically uh, Brad Leone's Master Stock video from Bon Appetit, which I truly enjoyed, which was very insightful and taught me a lot about how a ham hock can literally take any stock and amplify its flavor uh, a tenfold. But I kind of wanted to put my own, um, my own twist on uh, making a stock. So I recently grabbed some really unique ingredients, and instead of using a traditional oven, I used my smoker. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take all of the meats that you want to incorporate in this stock. So you take like a chicken from, like you go to the grocery store, you get a rotisserie chicken, correct? Yeah, okay. You debone the chicken, you eat the meat, you make your chicken salad, you make your sandwiches, but you're left with this wonderful carcass that mom used to, what, just boil and make soup with, right? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Now, if you take yourself a nice big cast iron pan and you put all those bones and all those pieces of bits in that cast iron pan and you roast that at 450 in your oven for like, 40 minutes to an hour, turning it every 10 minutes, you're going to release this flavor that's deep caught into the bones. Are you putting it like in water or something? No, just straight on a cookie sheet or a cast iron pan or a baking sheet. And and it collects the oils and and stuff that comes out of whatever's left. Yes. It makes this juicy, wonderful bit of So that's how you would make your own stock at home is whenever... Right. And this is, again, about how you would use get as much out of your meat and use your leftovers and stuff, right? Absolutely, because I'm big on no waste in my kitchen. So last weekend, uh, right before our friends, uh, Kara and Dan, congratulations, their wedding the day before, I spent the day making a uh, my own version of Master Stock. What I did, I took a, what they call a hotel pan. It's like a stainless steel pan, like, you know, two foot by foot and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. I took a piece of oxtail, which is a tail section of oh, cow. Oh, I saw this post on Instagram. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I was like, what are you just like making a whole weird shish kebab? Like, no, that's what, what I, I didn't did. know is so many different kinds of meat on it. So I took oxtail. I took beef marrow bones. I had four quails. Oh my God. Pork neck bone and pork shoulder pieces. Put it on the smoker at 400 for an hour. Turning wow. every like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah releases so many different juices that then cook differently on the bottom of the pan. And then you deglaze it with your, you could use water, you could use uh, a stock from previous years, you could use a brandy, you can use a, a red wine. Ooh. And you add that to your stock pot of water, all those roasted bones, all that cooked down meat and all that stuff that's stuck on the bottom of the pan, you deglaze that by using a, a liquid and whisking yeah. it up, whatever. But some of the veggies I used, I wanted to recommend to you guys, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about making a good recipe, use turnip root, turnip parsnips, root. and red chard. I so, hardly know what either of those three things even look like. So <laughs> parsnips and turnips are, turnip roots are, um, they consider them root vegetables. They grow. Uh, turnips, turnips I knew. Yeah. Turnips is the one I knew. Yeah. They, they look like, they look like beets almost. Very, right? yeah. Very right? rich, minerally. Yeah. It's like a beet that's white and purple. Almost. Exactly. It's the same shape. I mean. So yeah. they have, so root vegetables, the, 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 the pros and cons of root vegetables, the pros are that they are packed with nutrients because they're literally grown in the dirt as opposed to in the air yeah and like a potato that can add so much so much nutrients and mineral base to what you're cooking um the cons are that they take fucking forever to cook you have to for parsnips you have to roast them boil them text them marry them boil them mash them stick them in a stew all that stuff yeah (laughs) so if you roast them properly and put them in your stock you can add a nice deep rich minerally flavor and the point of a good bone broth and a good stock is to really provide you with these essential nutrients of life well yeah i thought it was flavor that too, you but, get a but, flavor. But, the, but, but another highlighted benefit is the underlying the, highlight yeah, yeah. is the mineral-rich contents that you can pack okay. into a broth. Okay. So um, 
alongside of those that I just mentioned, I also use carrots along with the stems and leaf of the carrot. Oh, okay. Um, I use uh, celery, uh, celery root in this recipe as well, which was really uni- a unique thing to incorporate. Yeah. Um, parsley, cilantro, mm. and now red chard. Red chard is like the flowering part of a beet, think of. Like a big, broad leaf. Yeah. In the spinach. It's in the spinach beet or family. Like the leaf of a carrot, almost, almost like. but a not as big, flappy oh, oh, kind of thing. Oh, it's huge, but it's yeah, huge. It's big. Oh, 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 oh. And they have a red stem, almost looks like a rutabaga kind of thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and it has a really bitter taste. You have to cook them really different, almost like how you would collard greens. But I said, you know what? Let me chop these up and throw this in the stock and see what it does. That's all stock is, really. It's just like, let's see what happens. Let's open the lid in a couple hours and see what happens. So I threw all this stuff in the stock, added my water, like three gallons of water, and I literally put it on simmer when I wasn't home and boil when I was home, like a mid-boil. Yeah. And I let it cook for 24 hours. Wow. And it cooked reduced by... by I would say by you a have third. The stove on simmer the whole day when you guys are at work and stuff, or is this on the weekend? Well, we have the cameras on it in case anything happens. I'm five minutes away. No, I, I, guess I work so, five minutes down the road. I, I would have been too nervous to do no, that. Very low, I, very low. Like the lit- yeah. literally, like I could go under the stove and go <laughs> and blow the fire out. Oh, I just gotcha. to keep it a slow roast, consistent just, just temperature, so, that, so it doesn't so that it turn, doesn't, so that you don't. Because I, I assume as soon as it gets cold, you'd have to you'd have to start again over again almost. So it's like you got to mm, keep it warm. To it depends how long. I mean, if yeah. it's left for more than half a day out with no refrigeration it could turn bad oh but also with a slow simmer like that you really control the temperature to the point where it won't go bad but it also won't um overcook it either yeah so by the end of that day i strain out all of the stuff that's in it all the bones all the pieces of meat everything is just totally done like just take it all out yeah put it i put it in my little uh, to go containers, and I have. Uh, I was. I ended up with uh, f- uh, seventeen quarts of stock. Seventeen quarts of stock. So um, now, so now, give me an example of what you do with the stock now so, that you have your product. Say you're making. Uh, what's something you'd like to cook? Give me an example. I'll, I'll actually tailor this right to you. What's something that Court makes you and you, you guys for oh, dinner? I love when she makes a good um, uh, beef. Uh, stew like uh, okay. Here you go. There you, you go. Know, here you go. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Here's no, how a stew, but it's like um, so with a, a roast, like a slow a roast. roast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she probably does it in a pot with a lid and makes it, puts it on slow and lets it cook for a while. Now she probably uses water, which is what you're supposed to do, okay. or chicken broth, whatever. But if you want a little extra something. You something. take half or a third of the amount of water and then substitute the other half or two thirds. With, with a very well cooked stock, that adds such a rich, diverse flavor. When you're when yeah. it hits your tongue, your brain it's a it's a brain reaction, being like, "There is so much going on here. I have no choice but to love this." See, because that's the thing too is like if you're wholly relying on the flavor of just the meat alone in something like that, it, 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 unless you have some of the best meat you can get. It's not gonna. It, it it's not that alone is what makes the flavor good. So the the meat itself is not what always makes the flavor. Absolutely uh, makes, makes the taste great. So you need. You're so kind that of, would help. You're kind of extracting from the meat what makes the meat taste good. Yeah, in essence, exactly. Yeah. So if you look at this stock, this is an example of one of the quarts from the stock I made. Yeah. Okay. So the fat goes to the top. The um, sediment goes to the bottom. Yeah. But if I turn this. See how it's not liquid? It's almost like... It's almost like a jelly. Like jelly? Yeah. This is room temperature stock. Uh-huh. It's not cold. It's not frozen. That's so how you that, know. So is that uh, the fat from the meat and stuff like that? I like, guess. It's just like I don't know. all that stuff? I'm not a chef. I don't want to speak out of turn here. If somebody wants to correct me, cool. I mean, this My looks lines like, are open. This but looks like after Thanksgiving when you got a thing of gravy and you left it in the same, fridge. Yes, the fat. The gel- gelatin. Collagen, like, collagen or something? Um, something like with bone broth, how it's like really how solidified. It col- colonizes <laughs> Amos. <laughs> starts a small city. Fuck Europe. Um, <laughs> oh. Fuck England. Brexit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if somebody wants to message me and correct me, put me in my place. I solely deserve that. I will admit that. I don't know what it is that makes it like this. I think it is the fats and the collagens and the proteins and the meat broken but, down. But it's showing you that. But I mean, honestly, when it comes down to the flavor of the meat, it's in the fat, is it not? It is. But like, look at it. Yeah. But smell that and I'm tell me smell. that doesn't smell like a beautiful soup. It does. Yeah, I smell the celery in it. I smell the broth. I smell like the uh, the, the chicken, herbs the herbs. Yeah, it smells like I just it smells like a chicken soup 
almost. But it wasn't chicken, it's quail. Wild quail soup. Quail. Quail. So I have a, st- a quart of this I'm going to bring to him, show Uncle Steve, let them try. Because Uncle Steve was the one that was like, those aren't quail. I'm like, yes, they are. Look how little they are. He goes, oh, my gosh, those are little quail. Those are little so, quails. So I want <laughs> so you. So it's important to to uh, play with the the stock. Don't and, rush it. And and experiment and get a stock together and, and cook with it. And, and that's just going to up your game is, is the point, I guess. And it will teach you as a chef what you want to incorporate into your recipes. Yeah. It'll also make you understand the time and patience that goes into a good recipe. So it's almost like instead of like when you're just cooking a meat or something and you toss in some parsley and you toss in some cilantro, if you want to incorporate those meats a little more subtly and a little bit more blended, robustly. we'll say, robustly, <laughs> Put it in your stock Put first. Put it in your stock. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Invest it in your stock. Yeah, this is uh, this is for you in court. Cool, man. That's great. Thank you so much. I love it. I, and you know what? She cooks meat for me. She doesn't eat meat herself, but she still nice and makes some chicken, so I can't wait to try that out. So, Podcast Iron, we'll be right back. We have just about 15 minutes left in this one here. Kyle's got some goodies on the table here, and I want to know more about them, and he's going to tell us about them right after a quick little safe break. Podcast Iron. This episode of Podcast Iron is brought to you by the New York Times bestselling book, Field Notes for Food Adventure by Brad Leone, recipes and stories from the woods to the ocean. Come along with Brad as he explores forests, fields, rivers, and the ocean in the hunt for great food and good times. These pages are Brad's field notes from a year of adventures in the Northeast. Grab it wherever you get your books. Hey. Hey. Did you have a good pee? I did. Did you? Did you know something? What? Not all pee-pee times are poopy times, but all All poopy times are pee-pee times. (laughs) I love that. I love that audio. Uh, um, So we are wrapping up the end of this is, uh, I just realized this is episode eight of Podcast Diary. We don't need to go over the numbers, but it helps me organize. So I need to say it at some point. Episode 8 Podcast Iron here. Uh, we just uh, finished wrapping up our conversation about Erie. We got some good stock tips out there in the open now. And I hope you enjoy them. I hope it amps yeah. up what you're doing. I think, uh, I mean, just this one you, you're sharing with me here, I can't wait to try. It's going to make a big difference just for a, little, a lot of stuff. And it, yeah. and it lasts forever. Oh, sure. There's no way it can go Put bad. it right I in the mean, freezer. That's yeah, it. It'll yeah. last six months in the freezer. That's great, man. That's great. So speaking of things that last forever here, you went oh, uh, picking again. And as you oh. always do, you go you go at least three, four times a week, I'm, I think. Every day. Uh, what do you have on the table here you wanted to show me? Well, I wanted you to see if you remembered this pattern from, not not the blue pattern, that pattern from poppies. Oh yeah, look at that. So this is corningware. It's corningware's like, like fall harvest kind of yeah, pattern, right? Yes, like, but the most notable kind of corningware and, and artichoke. Oh is, yeah, the blue the blue flowers. They call that a cornflower. The blue cornflower. Is so, there a blue cornflower in the top of this one too? Yeah, the top one is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. the thing I like about it is all of our Corn grandparents way. incorporated them into their recipes. I like using glass as opposed to plastic when I'm cooking or baking or anything Corn like wear. that. Mostly cast iron, but obviously if I use something for like a casserole or a small dip or something like that, I'm sure. going to use yeah. glass. Speaking of things that last forever. For sure. <laughs> so the Corningware cornflour was made from 1958 to 1972. Oh, um, really? And there's various sizes. That size you have right there is incredibly rare. Please this don't is a, drop it. This is a one and a half quart? It says on the inside of the handle yeah. or the bottom, one and a half quart. Yeah, yeah, P4B, that should say on the bottom, too. Yeah. P4B. P4B, um, one and a half quart, use range, oh, for range and microwave. So this you, is a later, yes. so this is late 70s you bottle, You can put obviously. it on the range in the microwave, late you can 70s. You put it on the, micro- the open, open flame? It's what it says, dude. On the range? Yes. Wow, yeah, home, that is home a, on the range. that is a open flame you can use that on. That's nuts. That's so cool, though. I mean, honestly. But the thing is, so these things went side by side with cast iron through the decades. Of course, glass was and porcelain and and iron, like all those old all minerals, that. materials, like those were all minerals, all those old minerals, you know, all them sl- stalactites quartz. and shit. Quartz. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I found that there's an audience. Uh, Diamonds, audience, you know. Audience. <laughs> audience. Um, there is a... Culture, uh, culture. Uh, there is a group of people that really love this stuff, and it's kind of hard to find. Why? 
If it was it's glass. So, uh, well, oh, I guess so. Think yeah, about it's broken, it's 80 broken, years, broken, how many broken, times broken, a piece of glass gets broken. Yeah, you're right. It's very... Yeah, it's, 90 percent of the time when I find these, nine times out of ten, these little handles have a chip in them. The lids have a little chip in them. Or the lid's them. gone. Or the lid's gone. Yeah, see, that's the thing, too. It's like they're not exactly the most sturdy, though. That's the, the thing that's flawed with, with glass. But if you All look behind lids. me, or behind you, I stockpile when I find the bare lids. You got like 10 lids behind so me. So, when, here, I'm going to get very, up for a minute. That is a very good idea. If you see just the Corningware lid, grab that sucker. Somebody oh. needs it. Somebody somewhere needs that thing. Say, for, for, for existence, for existence, for... I, I turn your mic up so I can hear you better. So, for example, if somebody has this like eight quart... Which is, which is huge, by the way. It's big sunflower, but they're yeah. like, damn, because the lid was the first thing to break because that was smaller than the piece itself. Yeah. Say they have the piece and like, damn, I need the lid. I just pulled this off the shelf. Perfect. All interchangeable. It fits, man. And if and if somebody needs, if you wind up needing that for one of your favorite pieces from your family's history, or if somebody themselves just really needs it, you could wind up making some money off of something like that, probably, right? Well, I don't see why not. I mean, if somebody needs it really bad for a favorite piece of their, or they just broke the lid or something like that, it's hard to find something like that, probably. So here's a perfect example as well to get into some glassware. This is a Corningware. They, they call this, um, I think, Water Rose or whatever it was called. I don't know which one it is. But it's this got that is brown tinted glass lid, clear brown What's that tinted. Say? Pyrex. Pyrex, right? it says, yeah. Now, if we were. This is not the right lid. Even though it fits, it's not the right lid. So we're going to do a little experiment here live on Podcast Iron. Oh, this is so I'm going to show you this lid pops off and goes over here. Yeah. We take the Corningware lid, the proper lid, and look what we got. Science! I have four. I've had four of these lids in stock for the last six months. Now I have a bookmatched bottom piece for it. Wow, and now you have a complete piece kit. ready to go. Yeah. Why would anyone buy a casserole dish without the bottom unless they had the top originally? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. This Pyrex lid goes with these Pyrex pieces here. So we keep the Pyrex with the Pyrex and we keep the, the Pyrex with the Pyrex with the Pyrex. Look at that. With the Corningware. And that is how we flip glass. And that is, you know, when you were a kid and the, the, the square piece goes in the square hole and the round piece goes in the round Fine hole. Fine motor skills on the... And I this is why iron. you do that. It's come to fruition here. We have all of these Corningware pieces that are now finding happy hats. Happy hats. Yes. Very so, nice. So that's how you. So that's how you go about that. But that's cool, man. That you you came across all these things, I'm, and now you're now you're making complete sets out of them. So. I'm going to be sanitizing, cleaning, restoring, brightening up all the glass because they have like the metal scratch marks in the bottom that you have to like yeah. kind of magic eraser out. I'm going to be. I'm going to be restoring all of that, and I'm going to be posting a huge collection of Corningware for everybody to check out, for those of you that are into this, because I am into cast iron, but I don't turn down good Corningware. So keep out, keep a lookout for it, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Iron with me and... Me, Tyler! Tyler. <laughs> I'm podcast producer Tyler! And uh, I wasn't ready to speak, but <laughs> I knew it because you weren't ready. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get him now." So that's been episode eight, podcast iron. Thanks for listening, and uh, have a good week. You do. I did say, I did say, you too. No, <laughs> enjoy the movie, you too. And it's like that. It's a beautiful day. I hate um, that shit, man. I I used to enjoy the flight, you too. You know, stupid shit <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, you're not Jesus. going. She's not coming with me. Where is she going? <laughs> Enjoy the movie. You too. you too. Damn it. Damn it, I work here. I fell for it. All right, podcast All right, man, iron. dude, this was a good episode. Yeah, it was fun. All right. Thanks for listening to Podcast Iron. To find out what Kyle has in his kitchen, visit castironkyle.com for his latest list of recommended products. And be sure to follow him on Instagram at castiron underscore Kyle. <laughs>